evening and good afternoon. I hope everyone's having a wonderful day today. I know I am. I apologize for the lateness of this episode, but like I said last week, it was going to be late because I just came back from a trip. And what a trip it was. I don't know about you guys, but Virginia is absolutely beautiful in the spring. Anyway, we're going to go ahead and get started with this week's episode. And of course, we're going to be starting off with comics. And to start us off, we're going to be talking about DC's War of the Undead Gods issue number 7. And as you guys know, Deceased is one of my favorite, favorite Elseworld comics. And Tom Taylor does a fantastic job. I gotta give him credit and credit's due. He's actually doing a lot better job than Marvel did with their zombie story. At least this is consistent and it doesn't go 50 different directions. Because if you read Marvel Zombies, It's very confusing, and then when they tried to reboot it, it was not that good. Really, really not that good. I mean, I'll give it maybe a 5 out of 10 for being half decent. But we're getting off topic, so let's go ahead and start. So the issue starts off with everything basically going chaotic in Earth 2. And... Let me clarify for those comic book readers, this isn't like a different universe Earth 2, this is just like the second Earth that they claimed, so just making that clarification for any of you comic book readers that think of like the Black Superman and Power Girl and all that stuff. Anyway, moving forward, uh, there's a bunch of infected attacking. The heroes are doing whatever they can to hold them off and get the citizens to safety to the arcs. Alfred, being the new host of the Spectre, having just killed the Highfather, now witnesses Damien turn because of the attack that happened before. Wonder Woman uh, comes up to Damien, tries to comfort him as he's turning. The infection spreads and Damien tells them to get away from him. Damien tells Alfred in a coded message to do something and Alfred takes off, telling Wonder Woman to hold off everybody until he returns. Mr. Miracle and Barda are basically attacking and killing as many infected as they can, but one of them catches Mr. Miracle off guard and it turns out to be his son. Before he could react, his son jumps on him and infects him. Darkseid arrives with Supergirl and begins to attack everybody. John Kent attacks him and Brainiac joins in. Alfred is narrating sort of everything and narrates that Brainiac must have thought there was a calculated chance of winning, but Darkseid infects him and he goes to a ship and starts destroying all the capsule world he has to spread death and despair. He is stopped by Cyborg, who gets caught in and pierced by Brainiac's ship since Brainiac is able to control every aspect of his ship, so he has Cyborg and is trying to infect him. But because Cyborg had the original virus in him and was the catalyst of everything, he's basically immune to the virus. And does something I was not expecting, he absorbs Brainiac and becomes a combination and begins to have an idea. John ends up seeing that World War is powering up to destroy the planet and runs to block it and he basically blocks the laser attack and destroys World War and falls back to Earth. Cyborg, his plan was to let all the Kryptonians that were trapped on Kandor out and basically have an army of Kryptonians, which is kind of funny. Lobo appears, 
and is helping out whether he can and Superman catches his son. Alfred returns with the cure and cures everybody. And it's really nice. Leslie is back. Damien is back. Says he has a couple of ribs that aren't supposed to be in the same place as they were before. And even Wonder Woman is super happy. Many of the superpowered people hold down Darkseid. So uh, Wonder Woman, Miss Mar Mary Marvel, uh, Superman, other Superman, and they're trying to basically get the cure into Darkseid, but because of his skin being so thick, they can't really. Lobo has an idea, grabs the cure, shoves it down his throat, and Darkseid takes a bite of his, basically bites his arm off. Lobo reacts like, hey, I do my favorite stuff with this hand, and it's just kind of funny. Anyway, uh, Darkseid is cured and basically comes to Superman. It's funny, Alfred explains that Superman advocated for them to cure Darkseid instead of just killing him. Which is a very, very Superman thing to do. And, I mean, I love the dude, but his kindness gets him in trouble sometimes. Anyway, Alfred explains that Superman talked to Darkseid, letting him know that he ended up being a pawn in Ebros' plan, and he gets mad. Alfred explains that they got an unexpected and terrifying ally because Darkseid got mad and is now going to fight Eberos. And here's the thing, Darkseid is an extremely, extremely powerful person. He is able to hold off Superman, sometimes defeat him, and hold off the entire Justice League. So having him on your side to fight an enemy, you are screwed. I will say this, I was a tad bit disappointed that after all that hibernating, he was cured that easily. And honestly, with Lobo being built up, I expected him to be more around within this series, but my guess is, is that with only eight issues, Tom Taylor didn't have enough to kind of branch out and is going to have to clear up all the storylines with issue eight, since this is only an eight issue series. So we'll see what happens. We'll see where everything goes. I'm super excited to see where it all ends. And I'm very sad that Deceased is ending. The only thing I have left from Tom Taylor that I'm looking forward to, of course, is the Titan series and the uh, John Kent Superman where they're going to Injustice. Anyway, that's it for DC. We're going to be going into Marvel. Now, we're going to be talking about Storm and the Brotherhood of Mutants, issue number two, which falls into the sins of Sinister. And apparently there is a galactic war going on between the Sinister Council, and they've dubbed themselves the Red Diamonds, and a variant clone of Sinister called Orbis Stellaris. I think I'm pronouncing that name wrong. Stellaris. I'm going with Stellaris. I apologize if that's not the correct pronunciation. That's what I'm reading. Anyway, he's enacting his own master plan. And he's a part of the Interstellar Compact. Now, during all this, Storm and her Brotherhood of Mutants are basically freedom fighters and have been fighting against both sides to avenge the planets Oroko. Destiny shows up to Storm and she is absolutely sad and angry with everything because she wants to now reset the timeline. Why? Because Mystique died trying to save a planet and now Destiny doesn't have really much to live for anymore since her love is gone and the universe is basically on fire. 
Storm and her group gets ready for an attack. Destiny's powers is boosted by another mutant, and she's able to guide the ships through Stellaris' impenetrable planet because Stellaris is the one who has the Moria, Mora, oh my god, I cannot speak, Moria clone that they need to kill to reset everything. So this mutant is boosting Destiny. She's basically able to tell them, hey, go left, go right, you're gonna die if you do this, and just guide them through everything, which is kind of cool. And she basically does. They get through his impenetrable planet. They get to see Moria's, oh my god, I cannot speak, Moria's clone. And she tells them to fire at the sun that's basically powering uh, Stellaris's ship to basically make a black hole and destroy everything. She says that if they do this, they will win. And she sees the end of everything. She is happy for a brief second until she is cut in half, which is very, very interesting because she did see the end of the universe, her universe. So that was actually kind of interesting. So it's revealed that Storm had this planned the entire time, which I'm shocked, very much shocked. But she reveals that she never intended to destroy the clone because while she is angry with her world being destroyed, there have been countless people born into this new world throughout the past 100 years. So she did not find it justifiable to kill the entire universe for a reset. Cable mentions that without Destiny, they are basically fish in a barrel, but Storm gets boosted and launches an entire storm, intergalactic storm, sending Stellaris through a wormhole, neutralizing the Moria, and they get out without a scratch. But it's revealed that Storm died giving out this type of attack, which was huge. And yes, she was boosted, but to give out everything, even her life force for this one huge attack, it was just stunning to see. I will say this, uh, the comic ends with Storm's death and everyone mourning her. Uh, one thing I will say is that after reading this, I couldn't stop basically uh, comparing the plot of why Storm didn't want to reset the universe to Lightyear. Because if you remember in the movie Lightyear, Buzz, uh, older Buzz, who uh, went by the name Zerg, basically wanted to reset the universe, but present day Buzz, his younger self, did not because same reason that Storm didn't want. So many people had been born. So many lives had been lived. So to reset everything would just be horrible. All, all those people would die, never to having existed. So it's a very interesting concept. So this was the last issue for the 100 years. So the next one will be the thousand years. And I honestly don't know where they're going to go with a thousand years. Who's going to be winning? Is the Brotherhood still going to be there? So very interesting to see how everything concludes and what's going to happen. And who at, at the very most, who's going to remember? Because that's going to be very interesting. Is Sinister going to be the only person to remember or is it going to be somebody else? Anyway, that's it for comics. We're going to be moving on to TV shows. Sweet Tooth Season 2 has been announced and the trailer has dropped and I gotta say, this show seems to be getting bigger and crazier than ever. There are a bunch of fans that I know that were super happy with the adaptation from the comics and are patiently, patiently waiting for Season 2 to drop. And good for them. I really need to get into the show. I have too many shows basically on standby for me to catch up on, so... 
Maybe I'll get to Sweet Tooth when they do season three. Heck, I'll be happy because at least then I know that Netflix has trust in the show and didn't throw it away. Anyway, uh, the final trailer for the final episodes of Titans has dropped for season four. And I, I'm going to go with it. It doesn't look good. I gave up on Titans a long, long time ago. They have, I have no faith in it. I really, really don't have any faith in it. So I'm happy to see it go. I'm sad that Doom Patrol is going with it. Doom Patrol was amazing. Uh, moving on, the teaser for The Walking Dead Dead City has been released. And I got to say... This entire franchise and series is legit beating a dead horse. Yeah, I know. I'm funny. Anyway, it's just, I just don't know. I stopped watching The Walking Dead at season seven because it started getting repetitive. I couldn't agree with Rick anymore. It just, every time they get to a new location, they're fighting somebody, they get into a fight, Rick wins, say on, so forth. It just got tiring and just the acting and just 24 episodes. Seriously, I preferred it back in season one when it was only six. They should have just stuck to like eight episodes per season or something. Get the stuff over with. Get it done. Eight episodes. Fantastic. Look at other AMC shows. Breaking Bad. You only had 10 episodes to do your stuff and you were good. You didn't need 16. You didn't need 20 episodes. You just needed 10. You were done. That's it. That's what they need to go back to because honestly, this stuff is just crazy. But if you want to know what the show's about, basically uh, Maggie's son, Herschel, is taken away and is basically being held hostage in Manhattan. Why they're in Manhattan? Don't know, but there's obviously a time jump. So she basically needs Negan's help to save her son. I, at this point, I'm just saying this is turning into a soap opera. We'll probably find out that aliens created the zombie virus in season 55 or spin-off 55. Again, they've made so many spin-offs of this show, it's absolutely insane. And speaking of spin-offs that continue, uh Fear of the Walking Dead, the final season is being released and it is a 7-year time jump. I've never seen Fear of the Walking Dead, so I don't know what's going on. All I know is that Morgan is going to have to make tough decisions since he has to rescue an 8-year-old Mo from Padre. Don't know what that means. Maybe you guys do. Again, I stopped watching anything The Walking Dead a long time ago. Anyway, moving on, I've seen the last two episodes of The Mandalorian, and I gotta say, I'm very surprised that people are not enjoying this season. Well, yes, I do agree that it's taking its time. It's kind of building up the story. I mean, think about it. The previous episode, not last week's, but the actually, yes, last week's episode, so that would be counting. Anyway, last week's episode, when you had the doctor showing how some of the Empire soldiers and scientists are basically forgiven, put into a program where they're helping the Rebel Alliance build up their Republic. And we basically see the Doctor trying to do good, but uh, the communications officer comes in. She tricks him, and when it came to the Mind Flare device, she puts it on high, basically wiping his memory. Is this a plan to let Moff Gideon escape? I don't know. Maybe they're going with the whole, oh, we're trying to bring back Palpatine to show how the First Order got started. Again, I really don't know. And it's nice. Honestly, that episode reminded me a lot like Endor. And it was insane because you had this doctor who basically wanted to do some good and put his research to good use. But you had the Rebel Alliance basically being underfunded and 
not knowing what to do with all this empire's technology. I mean, he basically said it. He could probably use his technology for good, but because the Rebel Alliance, the Republic, is basically undermanaged, they're not really doing everything in the right way in the beginning. They're basically letting a lot of stuff fall through the cracks because they're in such desperate need for help. And maybe that's how uh, basically the First Order comes to be. Who knows? And it was a very interesting and sad episode. The next episode, of course, while not as exciting, was really great because honestly, I wouldn't call it as filler because we got more backstory on uh, basically Grogu, how he escaped the Jedi Temple. And we actually got the actor for Jar Jar Brinks to come back and play a Jedi who actually saved his life. And I gotta say... I loved that he was able to kind of come back and play a character that was more well-loved. Because if you look throughout Star Wars fan history, and I guess you can say this is any fan's history, the fans have never been too nice to the actors playing certain roles. Like the actress who played Rose. A lot of people attacked the actress and honestly, you she did her best. I hate Rose. I really think she's a useless character, but I don't blame the actress who played her. And sometimes people have to distinguish between the two because it's insane. I mean, was Jar Jar Binks my favorite character in Star Wars prequels? No. Was he my worst favorite character? No. I like respected what they were trying to do. It didn't really work and they moved on. And I hated that the actor got so much hate for it. I mean, heck, look at the person who played young Anakin Skywalker. That dude got so much hate that it launched him into a depression. And it sucks. So I... Get, I love that he was able to come back and kind of join into the Star Wars universe one more time. I wish he, he's able to do it again. Maybe as both characters, I would love to see what happened to Jar Jar Binks. Anyway, uh, I love that we were able to kind of get to know the Mandalorians a little more, especially since uh, the youngling, the foundling that they saved, was a son of the person who challenged Mando for the Darksaber. Now, if I'm wrong about that, I thought it was the same character, I could be wrong. But anyway, like I said, it was great to see, and we kind of got Grogu to learn more about what being a Mandalorian actually is. So again, really good episodes. When it came to the Bad Batch episodes, the episode where they found Paradise was actually pretty cool. And the fact that they were working together more with the pirate. Since she was actually being more trustworthy than Sid. And it sucks to see Sid on the bad guy side. But I guess we're going to see how far she's going to fall to get back on the clone. Since it's been 20 cycles or 30 cycles since they talked to her. I'm going to go ahead and guess that 30 cycles is about days. I could be wrong. I could be very much wrong. But... Like I said, uh, they went to the Paradise, the planet, which is on a remote island. It was very nice to see them not in an environment where they had to worry about uh, being captured, killing or anything. And it was interesting to see how they reacted to a tsunami. The Bad Batch uh, was really great. I loved those moments, especially from tech, learning and appreciating everything and kind of falling for the pirate. That was actually kind of funny. The next episode was amazing with Crosshairs trying to basically escape. He kills uh, most of the people there, but kept the scientist alive. That's what I found interesting. When he escaped, I kept telling, I kept yelling at my screen, save the other clones, save the other clones. But he let a word spread that, hey, these people are after Omega 
And now the Bad Batch with Echo back is going to try to save basically uh, Crosshairs and maybe some of the other clones. And maybe season three will talk about the Clone Rebellion, which should be interesting. I can't wait to see where everything ends because this Wednesday, that's when the final two episodes are airing. So again, super excited to see what happens there. Anyway, uh, moving on to movies now. The Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, uh, Rangers Forever movie trailer dropped. And I gotta say, I saw a lot of Power Rangers fans super excited to basically relive their childhood. And you know what? Props to them. I personally was never a Power Rangers fan, so I can't feel the same nostalgia. But I do have friends who are huge fans. I'm super excited for them to have this nostalgia back. Uh, one thing that's going to be interesting is they're going to basically have the actress who played, I want to say, the Yellow Ranger, uh, Miss Trang, be in the movie while, while having her character basically die, but still being part of the team. And this is the last time we're going to see Jason David Frank as a ranger since he passed away last year but not before finishing out this film. So it's really going to be great that they're going to be including everybody, including those who passed in this movie. And it'll be basically like walking back to the 90s. Uh, yeah, if you were not born in the 90s, Power Rangers was huge. I don't know how huge it is now, but you couldn't escape it back then. Somehow I did. Again, wasn't a big fan. Was more into, um, yeah, four kids. I think Yu-Gi-Oh, anime, and all that stuff. Anyway, uh, moving on, John Wick 4, and I'm going to say this, it is a non-spoiler review, so don't worry, was amazing. There were some times where the action seemed never-ending, but the cinematography, there was this one scene or a couple scenes where the camera just shows you, like, from... You kind of fly to the ceiling and look down and it kind of reminded me of a video game where you're running around door to door and you can basically see everything from above. And it was really great. The cinematography was amazing. The story was really great on how it basically concluded. Uh, Lance Reddick, they uh, did uh, In Loving Memory of Lance Reddick. I will say this, there is a post credit scene after all the credits have gone. So if you haven't seen the movie, Please make sure to pay attention to that because that is important. Uh, besides that, uh, Keanu Reeves did a wonderful job as John Wick, Donnie Yen. Always a pleasure to see him. He was a really sad but charismatic character. I really felt for him and I just love the action scenes, man. Like if you need mindless action and a really good story, John Wick is there for you. Four films, they're making the spinoff, The Ballerina, I think it's called. With uh, Ana de Ramos, I can't wait to see that. Same director. And honestly, I just love mindless action movies. Just give me more of those. At least good ones. I, I really don't like bad ones. Anyway, I definitely would give John Wick a 9 out of 10. Uh, movies. Still speaking of movies. Uh, the Joker 2 has released new photos showing Lady Gaga in her what seems to be her Harley outfit. Now I'll say this, it is a very interesting outfit. It kind of gives you the classical clown based look, not classical Harley from the animated series, just more of a classical clown look. Very similar to uh, uh, Joaquin Phoenix's Joker, of course, without the white makeup. So very interesting. I can't wait to see what they do with it, especially since this is gonna be a musical. Still can't believe that we're going from a regular, not a regular movie, like a normal type movie, to a musical, but it's the Joker, so why not? 
Uh, Shazam 2. So this is going to be a quick spoiler review. I honestly sort of enjoyed this movie, but not really. You could tell from the very, very beginning that they wanted Black Adam to be the villain. Because it makes sense. Black Adam is Shazam's villain. But because Dwayne The Rock Johnson did not want to play a villain, he got his own movie. And if you look at the box office for Shazam 2, it is horrendous. Because it just, the daughters of Atlas, it's just insane. I will say this, one thing that surprised me was the kid who's playing Billy had significantly less screen time than, of course, Zachary Levi as Shazam. And I guess it's because they wanted him to be more in character or stuff like that. One thing that kind of shocked me was that Billy's character seemed to mature a lot more. But when it came to Shazam in his Shazam form, he has not changed since the first movie. And it's insane. Because as Shazam, he's supposed to have the wisdom of Solomon. Where was that in the movie? And, I mean, you had, of course, the secret third daughter of Atlas who fell in love with, um... Oh my God, what's his face? Freddy, Freddy, yes, that's his name, Freddy. With Freddy, and it's like, oh, oh my God, they're the same age, and you find out she's like 5,000 years old, and this kid is, what, barely an adult? And they're like, oh my God, it's so weird, and we're just gonna play it off like that. Again, I just really didn't feel the same energy in this movie, and the ending was kind of dumb, I will say. I mean, what, after being beat up the entire time and then having to reassure himself that he's the hero he basically overloads the staff killing the two antagonists him dying and then at what at the end you had wonder woman resurrect him can someone explain to me when wonder woman had resurrecting powers it's not explained in the movie not at all and i'm thinking to myself where was this in Justice League? Honestly, again, I think the whole Wonder Woman thing was just a way for them to try to save the movie, especially after showing it in the trailer when it was obviously supposed to be like a super cool cameo. And another thing also, where was she in the movie? Why didn't she do anything? Many questions never answered, and probably never will be. And forget about the what? The Justice League of America or Justice Society uh, Shazam joining? It's not gonna happen now. And I loved how they kind of got uh, James Gunn's wife. Kind of like, hey, she's in the movie, so it counts. It's all weird, and the end credit with, uh, what's his face? Uh, Silvana? And you know what? I hated it. You know why I hated it? For one very good reason. Because none of this will count via Flashpoint. We're never going to have Mark Strong come back to play the villain because I like Mark Strong. He is a fantastic, versatile actor. And he would have done a phenomenal job coming back as Silvana with um, Mr. Mind, I think the dude's called. I don't know. I just remember him from the 40s being a caterpillar with a very, very smart brain. And like I said, it's dumb. I don't think I'm gonna be watching Aquaman 2 for the same exact reasons. It's not gonna count. The Flash will, but everything else, maybe not. And they gotta explain where Blue Beetle falls in this whole timeline, or it's gonna suffer the same fate, which sucks. Because we finally have a Latino superhero being the main character 
And with everything going around with the DCEU, if they don't say that he is a part of the new universe, I don't understand why they shipped it from an HBO Max original to a movie theater. It's not going to make a difference. Anyway, uh, moving on, that's it for movies to video games. And Dead by Daylight Mobile is getting Sadaku. I think that's the pronunciation. Sadaku? Sadaku? Okay, I'm going sticking with Sadaku for a limited time. And if you don't know who that is, because I didn't until the very end of the teaser, it's the chick from the Ring movies. The Japanese one, not the American one. So if you're wondering, wait a minute, I thought this person was named something else. No, this is the Japanese version. And I guess I had to look this up too. They've made a bunch of sequels uh, from the Japanese original one, like the American did with a bunch of sequels too. So I guess she's a lot more popular as the Japanese version than the American version. All I know is that the mobile version of Dead by Daylight is getting this character for a limited amount of time. It sucks. I wish she was a permanent and not only on mobile. And honestly, I guess that makes me want to play Dead by Daylight on mobile. One thing that really sucks, and I hope they get on this just because it's been a few years. And as long as they're able to kind of transfer the skins, I think it's time to make a sequel. Can you imagine Dead by Daylight in Unreal Engine 5? That would be amazing. Scary, but amazing. That's what I'm hoping for. So maybe it will happen. Maybe it won't. Honestly, I really think they'd benefit from a sequel. Uh, speaking of sequels, uh, the story trailer for Jedi Survivor has released, and apparently Cal has been with the Rebellion for about five years and has been extremely busy. And he's apparently trying to set up a home planet away from the Empire and will be facing off against the Gendai. If you don't know who that is, there are characters from Legends and was first brought to the big screen in 2003 with the Star Wars Clone Wars animated show special. And they're basically immortal with a healing factor. And everybody is back to help Cal basically fight against the Empire and the Gendai. One thing I'm really hoping is that they're as crazy as they were in the TV show where they have like tentacles or something like that that look like wires. When you cut off their hand, they're able to just reattach stuff, heal, because again, they're basically immortal and they can live up to a thousand years. So they've basically seen a lot of stuff. Curious to see how they basically are on the brink of extinction and very curious to see what else they're going to be doing for the Empire. I highly, highly suspect that Vader is going to make a surprise appearance, most likely at the end. And he will basically kill Cal or he will do something that makes him go more grittier. Because remember, uh, what's my call it? Cal basically killed a bunch of the Inquisitors and the Grand Inquisitor is going to be a part of this story too. So the Grand Inquisitor contacting Vader is not going to be a big surprise, especially since Vader is aware of Cal and what he's been up to. So again, that's my opinion on what's going to be going on with that. And from there, we'll move on. Uh, I should have brought this up in the comic portion of the show, but Dead by Daylight is getting a prequel comic releasing May 24th. And continuing on with all the video games, Diablo 4 has their open beta set for... Actually, I think it's... Let me check. Ah, never mind. It's actually open. So they also released a gameplay trailer. So if you're very much interested in playing the first beta... 
go get it. Because honestly, Diablo 4 is shaping up to have a better launch than Diablo 3 had. And if they play their cards right, this is going to be the best Diablo game ever. Again, if they play their cards right, because it can honestly suck too. We've seen sequels that had so much potential and not live up to it. I'm really hoping and praying Diablo 4 is not one of them. Speaking of high expectations, Alien Dark Descent and a gameplay trailer basically showed what this game is going to be about. And it's going to be a real-time tactical action strategy game. And the gameplay looks very similar to, um, what's that game called? XCON. I'm sorry, it's been a long day. But if you guys remember XCON, it was strategy-based, it was fun, and it got your heart pumping. One thing they released about this game and revealed is that you may potentially have a bad time playing this game if you're one of those gamers who love these types of games and basically jumps on the highest difficulty. Because regardless on where on the difficulty scale you lie, if you lose a Marine or someone on your team that you've been leveling up, that is permanent. So be very, very careful on your strategy and who you're willing to lose. So this could honestly be an amazing and potential great step for this series, considering if they have the right AI to fight for the Exomorphs. Because if they don't, it's gonna be too easy. That's the thing about the Exomorphs. They will actually thrive in this type of gaming environment because they're very smart and very strategic. So if you go up against the AI, that was for freaking, um, what was that alien game? Oh my God. Alien Isolation, that was it. Alien Isolation, we're all screwed. Just saying, because the way it kept learning and scaring you was phenomenal. Anyway, a new skin for Warzone 2 and Modern Warfare 2 has been released, and it's someone I was not expecting to show up at all. And that character, my friends, is the Shredder. Yes, the Shredder. The leader of the Foot Clan is now a part of Warzone. Very, very surprised. And it makes sense because I, okay, maybe not total sense, but I guess since they're in a new Japanese inspired map, they decided, you know what? Instead of anything else Japanese, we're going to go for the Shredder. I can see it maybe because of the movie, but I would, it would have made more sense if they released around the movie's time. Again, I don't know what they're thinking over there, but maybe it'll be pretty much fun. Again, uh, it, eh. I'm honestly disappointed that they didn't uh, provide a tank skin as the Technodrome, because that would have been fun. But, I mean, it's Warzone, so what are you going to do? Uh, moving on, Crash Team Rumble as now have a release date for June 20th. And I'm not really excited about this, just because a lot of games I try to compete with Mario Party don't end well, but maybe I'm wrong. Maybe this will be different. The closed beta is going to be happening uh, the 20th through the 24th. So if you pre-order it, you can basically play the closed beta and decide whether or not you want to keep it. Uh, Remnant from Ashes is finally coming to Nintendo Switch. And I got to be honest with you, I basically forgot about this game. It was a game I played maybe an hour of and then decided that it sucked. But maybe you'll get new life in the Switch. Maybe it will happen. I really doubt it. 
never really happens on the Switch, so we'll see where it goes. Moving on, the UEFA Women's Champions is now available on FIFA 23. And apparently the women's club includes, and I apologize again for me mispronouncing these names, Leonis Feminine, Olympique, Paris Saint Germain Feminine, Chelsea, Arsenal, Real Madrid, CF, V, FL, Wolfsburg, Juventus, Juventus, and good God, this name is uh, interesting, Intracht Frankfurt. Again, I apologize for butchering these names. Uh, these are European names, and yeah, not, not my strong suit. <laughs> anyway, if you're a big fan of women's soccer or if women's football, depending on where you are, this is uh, for you. Yay! Anyway, moving on. Horizon Forbidden West DLC Burning Shores is now uh, going to be released on April 19th of this year and is most likely the last time we're going to hear Lance Reddick as Silas. And it's going to be bittersweet. I mean, we don't know if he recorded his lines for part three. So it's going to be interesting to see what they do with the character. Maybe they'll use some old lines that can be used for the trilogy. Who knows? But... It's definitely going to be a different game without him being there. Because I'll say this, if depending on whether or not you like the character itself, you were usually mad at him, and there was always, always a good reason to be. Uh, Counter-Strike 2 has released a trailer for the responsive smoke, and apparently it will react better with the environment. So apparently Counter-Strike 2 has a lot of bugs right now, so it's very interesting to see how they will improve upon that, of course. Uh, one thing I will say is that the Counter-Strike community is always an interesting pair. They could be very kind or very, very attacking, especially if they're trying to rank up and they only have one spot left and you are the basically the one random that joins the team. You are not going to be a happy camper. No one's going to be a happy camper. But anyway, I bet they're super happy with their upgraded graphics and mechanics. And I know the eSports League is definitely going to be happier itching for new stuff. A new trailer for Unreal Engine 5.2 demo was released. And I gotta say, the amount of detail in this was fantastic and spectacular. The amount of light changes... Fortnite got into this utilizing Unreal 5 Engine with their creative mode and it was basically like Forge but more in depth. I mean they basically were adding dragons of like uh they were adding stuff that looked like straight out of Metagear Solid and it just felt like an entirely different game and that's what you're able to create in there and you're able to utilize everything from Fortnite. So it's definitely going to be a huge upgrade and the fact that the AI is a lot more responsive with the environment definitely says something. I'm very interested to see what people will make out of this, what type of new games will come out, and not to mention the Hellblade 2 demo trailer was even better. They had so much detail with her face reactions that I couldn't believe that it was a video game. So we'll see what other stuff will come with Unreal Engine 5 and how it will evolve with the new updates. Speaking of games that's using the new Unreal Engine 5, Project M has released 
basically a trailer and using Unreal Engine 5 and it looks amazing. Apparently it's supposed to be simulated reality and will be an ambitious third person shooter. So very excited for this. I can't wait to see where they go. Uh, moving on, Lego 2K Drive. I gotta say, I was not expecting much from the trailer, but my God, does it look amazing. There's so many different Lego cars. The details look fun. And here's the fun part. You can seamlessly switch from different cars and you can go from the road to the water and switch to a speedboat. Upgrade your cars, add boosters, whatever. It's Lego. So you don't have to take it too seriously. And I like it. I always love how Lego does stuff differently. And again, I'm very excited for this. If you're a big racing fan, you're going to love the whole Lego thing because Again, who doesn't like Legos? And I don't know if there's going to be a story or not, but all I know is I'm going to try to convince my friends to get this game, and we're going to be driving. I'm going to switch to a faster car, get them into the water, turn into a speedboat, and just pull some 007 stuff. Anyway, moving on. Street Fighter VI has released Zangief versus Marissa gameplay, and it was amazing. Zangief finally met his match. And it was pretty cool seeing him fight, grappling, doing all his moves, which were very smooth. And when you read the comments, everyone was like, oh my God, Zangief finally found a girlfriend. And it's just so hilarious. I love the comments on YouTube, especially when it comes to these comments. It's just hilarious. Anyway, I'm very excited to see how Zangief and the other fighters from Street Fighter evolved and to see what they're up to. Can't wait to play Street Fighter 6. Anyway, that's it for video games. Moving on to nerd theories. And I gotta say, for my nerd theory, honestly, I think AMC is having a creative decline. You know why I'm saying this? It's because they're investing way too much into The Walking Dead. Think about it. They've had so many spinoffs of The Walking Dead. They're making a movie. It's like after what? Breaking Bad, Better Call Saul, Mad Men. They're like, we're out of ideas. We're just going to stick to The Walking Dead. Because think about it. That's all they've been doing. And I think right now they're just using The Walking Dead as a scapegoat, a straw man. Until they can come up with a new show that's going to basically capture a bunch of people and have them think, you know what, AMC's really doing well. Because honestly, after what, Better Call Saul? There's not really another show with AMC that I'm like, oh my God, this is amazing. I want to make sure that I'm always on AMC. It's nothing really there. And again, I, my opinion is that they're just using The Walking Dead until they can come up with a new show or something creative that will capture the minds and hearts of fans everywhere. Again, that's that's just my opinion that they're basically out of ideas and just using The Walking Dead. Uh, moving on to creative events, not creative events, current events. I cannot speak today. Current events, Microsoft has gotten some good news. And the UK seemingly approved their purchase of Activision, which is good. That means they can sort of move on. And all they need to wait for is the EU to decide. Because once the EU decides that they're all good for this purchase, then we'll basically have Microsoft own Activision, Blizzard, the Call of Duty franchise, Overwatch, and all that stuff. Don't know what they're going to do with it. And I get a lot of people are like, why is it taking so long to purchase? They have the money. Why don't they purchase? And it's because they need to make sure that they aren't creating a monopoly by letting Microsoft purchase 
Activision, because Activision owns so much. World of Warcraft is another one. So they want to make sure that it's there's still some fairness in the video game world. Uh, I mean, I guess I can see why, because Blizzard owns so much. I mean, listen, if Microsoft was buying EA, then I would have some problems because EA in itself owns so many smaller studios, buys up smaller studios, and just has such big franchises that they can do whatever they want. But again, that's just me. And that's it for this week's episode. Uh, there is not going to be an episode next week because next week or this week, I am going to Orlando Megacon. So I am going to come back in a week or two and let you guys know what's been going on in Orlando. I'm definitely gonna be taking pictures with Carl Weathers. And if you're there, I'm gonna be in a Mandalorian costume, a um, Spider-Verse, 2099 costume and i'm gonna try to go in my best joel costume and obi-wan kenobi so i already got this all planned out so if you're there don't forget to look for a guy in a mandalorian costume or any of the other costumes i mentioned well if you're there don't forget to say hi and enjoy the con see you later sayonara and you guys have a blessed one goodbye